following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Being a big advocate for solutions that really work, like installing these filters and just prioritizing health is really important. I think I would just tell parents and community members not to underestimate how powerful their voices can be, that they really, again, are the voices for their children who, like your kids you mentioned, are three and five. They're not able to go and advocate for themselves. So yeah, just don't underestimate how powerful your voices can be in making a difference on these issues. Two Kids in a Career is brought to you by Blondin Real Estate. They're a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years of experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See the properties they have to offer at BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Now that I am a mom, like most parents that that didn't have kids before, probably you didn't think about certain things that it makes a big, huge deal in a lot of different people's lives. I'm talking about specifically when it comes to your kids and school. And it's you know, I mean, we should think about these things no matter what, but when it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect you. And I'm realizing that a lot, especially with this podcast. And I first want to welcome Julia Geske to the podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Well, you're at motivating me to help do something that I have thought about in the past before kids and then didn't think about even with having kids and with them being in school and they're young still, they're five and three, they're going to be in school for a long time. I'm like, okay, (laughs) we need to definitely talk. And so you had reached out, you are a clean water advocate with Environment Missouri. Let's just go there. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So first to give a little bit of background about Environment Missouri, Uh, we're an environmental nonprofit organization and we work on a lot of issues, all of which center around creating that greener and healthier world, uh, whether it comes to conservation or sustainability or in my case, clean water. Uh, So I specifically as a clean water uh, advocate and associate, I am focusing on uh, getting the lead out of our school's water. I focus on all things lead in water. Um, and our group does a lot of water work, but that's really my area of focus, uh, which is, like you said, an issue that when you hear it, it's clearly important, but it's one that isn't always at the top of people's minds. No, not at all. All right. Tell me how you even came to this position and this career. Absolutely. I was a 2020 college grad, uh, so I really entered the workforce in the midst of the pandemic, which was crazy as uh, I guess we're all still living through it. Um, But I majored in political science and always had a passion for advocacy and uh, political organizing work. 
Uh, so I actually got started with one of the sister organizations to Environment America, which works with college students, the student PERGs, uh, and worked with them on voter registration and uh, lots of different civic engagement issues. But it really thrust me into that organizing world firsthand, as also we saw what a crazy political climate 2020 and beyond was. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. So from there, I learned more about Environment America and saw the opportunity to continue working uh, with students and with young people as I really have a passion for that, but then get to really harness it into this more of an environmental path. Uh, and that's how I found uh, this uh, job with Environment Missouri. So I know that you said you are with Missouri, Environment Missouri, but are you also representing other states? Because you are actually in Boston, right? and I am actually in Missouri, but we talk about other areas. So I was wondering if this is just your solo state, or do you have more states that you cover besides Missouri? Yeah, great question. Uh, So Environment America as a whole has 30 different state affiliates. And so I work in several different states, um, Missouri being one of them, uh, really just since this issue does have so much breadth, it's something that impacts states and schools and people all across the country. I am working in several different states at the moment, including Missouri, uh, Maine, Washington, Arizona, uh, just pretty much anywhere you can think of this issue affects. So um, yeah, I get to get to work in a couple different places, uh, which is one of the unexpected uh, benefits of this virtual world. Right, exactly. And it's great, though, because I can talk to people like you, and we can have this conversation, a very important conversation about lead in the water. And it is one of those things. Again, we both have said this, you know, it's an important issue and you know that it needs to get taken care of, but then you kind of forget about it or you don't hear much about it. And that's where you are making a change. What? (laughs) There are so many stats and numbers that blew me away that I looked at with your toolkit that you have for parents and teachers and community members. It's uh, called Get the Let Out. Let's go through that because I don't think, I mean, I know when I read it, I was super alarmed. I don't think parents understand the magnitude of this issue in our schools. Yeah, it's one of those issues that, um, like you said, you hear it and you know that lead is this terrible chemical and that we clearly shouldn't be consuming it. But it's also one of those issues that I think tends to get othered. So we're all familiar with the crisis that unfolded in Flint, Michigan, um, which was terrible and tragic and still continues to persist. Um, But it's often an issue that gets looked at like that is so terrible, but it's not happening here. Uh, And people don't know what's really going on in the water right in their neighborhoods or in their schools or even in their homes a lot of the time. Uh, And yeah, so that was really the driving factor behind us starting this whole campaign to get the lead out of schools, um, both because we began to see how prevalent it was and also because we know children are the most vulnerable to the really terrible effects that lead can have. Um, And then that's uh, why we created this toolkit, uh, which is 
a really great resource to help inform, but also to help drive action. Talk about what those symptoms, what those uh, dangerous notes of lead can do to a child. Absolutely. So it's really a scary list that goes on a lot longer than I would like to say, but just to name a few, um, even really low lead levels or low levels of lead exposure. Um, So even before you're getting to the point where you have lead poisoning or you even have elevated levels of lead in your blood, uh, there are results like having damage to your nervous system, to having learning disabilities, impaired hearing, impaired function of blood cells, uh, lowering your IQ points. Uh, There's new studies coming out where exposure to lead as a child can be linked to increased rates of delinquency in your teenage years. So it's really these effects that are long lasting and they're kind of sneakier than you might expect. Like you might not notice it right away, but they all start irreversible and will last for the rest of your life. How does one know? I mean, I guess through blood work and stuff like that, would you see the elevated lead numbers? I mean, how do you do that? How do you know? Yeah, so that is how you are able to detect having actual elevated levels of lead in your blood is through blood tests conducted by uh, doctors. Um, The reason why this advocacy and this work is really important is for the reason that I just mentioned that if you're just being exposed to low levels of lead every day, so you're drinking out of your water fountain at school every day that has lead in it, not high enough that you're going to have outward symptoms, uh, you just might not know until you start to see these behavioral problems or you start to notice that your child's not developing in the way that you might expect. Um, And that could be years down the road. Um, So that's really why it's so important to be proactive about this and really get to the root of the problem. All right. We can control what happens in our home. Let's start with that. What do we as parents do to make sure that we're ensuring lead is not an issue when it comes to drinking water? So the good news with homes that is a little bit different than with schools is that water is required to be tested by the city. Those results should be publicly available. Uh, Then you can also have the power to install filters uh, at your sinks. Um, There's both filters that you can put at point of use right where the water comes out or underneath the sinks, Um, but it's a little bit less complicated in the homes than it is uh, in the schools. Okay. (laughs) I would like for it to be less complicated in the schools like you, I'm sure. So what does that look like? Walk me through that. Yeah. So at schools, the thing is that, like I said, in general, water is required to be tested. That's a federal requirement that public water systems have to be tested for chemicals. Uh, But the issue is that for schools, they're tested before they reach the school, but then once they get there, there's all these pipes, plumbing, fixtures, solder, and fountains that are within that the water has a chance to get contaminated with before it comes out of the faucet where our kids are drinking. Um, And until 2014, 
national standards even allowed all of these fixtures and um, infrastructure that I just mentioned to contain a really significant amount of lead. Um, and we know that wherever lead comes in contact with water, there's a risk of contamination. So you can just picture this clean water reaching your school building, but then going through the extensive infrastructure within, um, getting contaminated and then coming out of whatever faucet is being used. All right. What do we do then? How is it fixed? Really, we believe and really know that the best way to combat this risk of contamination is to just be as proactive as possible about it. Um, There's two common uh, responses, as it seems like, to um, lead in schools. And one hand is testing, and then the other hand is filtering. So we are big proponents for that filter-first approach, which is at its core, just replacing all fountains in schools with water bottle filling stations that have filters that are certified to remove lead, and then installing filters on any uh, water source that is going to be consumed. Uh, We know that this really is just the most effective way to guarantee that there won't be lead in water. uh, And it's just, um, yeah, the most most effective and safest uh, method and response. Before we continue this week's conversation, I would like to talk to you about Blondin Real Estate. Blondin Real Estate is a proud sponsor of the podcast. They have been since day one. And there's a little bit about Blondin Real Estate that you may not know if you aren't local to the area. So the St. Louis area where I am. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about the East Central Missouri region that Blondin Real Estate is really known for. Now, don't get me wrong, they know their stuff and they can represent any place, but they are known for the New Melly, Augusta, Defiance, Forestell, Lake St. Louis, Marthasville, Wentzville, Warrenton, Wright City, and beyond those areas. They really know them because a lot of them live in those areas or they grew up in those areas. And a lot of those areas require experts because there's like these hidden roads or there's land that maybe somebody didn't know is available, but it is available. And at Blonded Real Estate, they know all the insides and all the good stuff. So if you are looking for that East Central Missouri region, please check out Blonded Real Estate. Go to blondinrealestate.com and sign up for this wonderful feature that they have. It's basically your opportunity to learn about property before it hits the market, before it goes public. You'll get an email once a week. All you have to do is go to blondinrealestate.com to sign up. All right, let's get back to this week's conversation. In my girls' school, they do have that filter, like the bottle where you fill your own bottle. And there's this digital number that pops up that says basically like every time you are filling up your bottle, you're saving X amount of plastic bottles from the landfill. And that honestly is what I really thought the main function was. I mean, I I think I knew that there was something good about a, a filtered water, but I was focusing more on the recycle aspect, not the lead aspect. That's really great that your girls' school has that already. Um, That's a great step in the right direction. 
um, the one for their inquiry would just be to ensure that those stations actually do have the filters in them. But the good news is that they're compatible to be installed. And a lot of times, if they have those stations, then um, there's a greater likelihood that they have the filters as well. But I think that's a really great thing that you brought up. And it's a great way to kind of look at this as just a more comprehensive benefit to putting in these stations. Um, one, the health benefits of eliminating lead. Uh, two, it's environmentally friendly. You are saving all of these plastic bottles from being used. Um, and then a third is that there are actually studies that have been done that show that with these hydration stations installed, kids have been shown to drink more water and mm. um, stay hydrated throughout the day, which has been linked to a lot of positive health effects as well. So by bundling all these good things together, um, it can really help show how really positive they can be. Can you provide, if you know it, like a cost on one of those systems? So for one of these hydration stations, we have a general cost estimate drawn from different states and districts that have done uh, the work to install these of about $3,000. And that includes the filter, the station itself, the cost for installation, and then I believe it's a year of upkeep, which is essentially just the maintenance cost of replacing a filter annually. Are there funding opportunities? I don't even know if it's private and public schools, not at all, just public. How, how does that work? Right. Yeah, that's the big question. Um, I think that generally is the biggest obstacle to doing something like this is that we, I know we all know that school districts across the board are being stretched really thin, especially now, yeah. and are historically underfunded. Um, but right now, the best news is that we're seeing federal funding flowing into school districts at really unprecedented rates. Uh, so right now, we have a really unique opportunity to seize the moment with all the federal stimulus money that schools are receiving. Uh, this is through the ESSER funds and the American Rescue Plan Act, money that has gone directly to schools. Um, that money uh, is allocated to uh, reducing exposure to environmental health hazards and lead contamination of drinking water fits right in there. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know the exact numbers of how much um, money exactly like Missouri itself has gotten, but um, in the toolkit too, there are resources there where you can check and see just how much your school district has been receiving. Um, but generally with some of the other calculations we've done for different school districts and um, schools in general, um, the cost for doing this installation and putting a policy like this into place generally falls between 1% and 2% of the total funding that school districts are receiving. So while $3,000 per station might sound significant, and it is, of course, it really, um, when compared to how much money there is out there, um, it's definitely doable. I'm thinking about now the two different compartments here. Mm -hmm. The I am a, a teacher or I am an administrator and I work for the school and or <laughs> you are the parent. Right. What are the two 
things, or I don't even know what you would say that each of those compartments do to make sure that they are getting the lead out of the water. Let's start with the teachers, administrators, school boards, stuff like that. Uh, Well, on the part of the more administrative side, the biggest thing that we're pushing for is for the school boards themselves to take up a policy that would, um, I hesitate to use the word mandate, but put into place these measures uh, in their district. I know that the process varies between different school districts, but it really does come down to the school board taking that proactive approach um, since they're the ones that are making the decisions. They're the ones that are handling the budgets for the most part in the school districts. And a lot of the initiative or the decision-making does really come to them um, putting these systems into place. Okay. So now as a parent, what can I do? What can my fellow parents do? Absolutely. So as a parent, as a member of the community, the best way that you can help and make sure that this happens is really just to advocate. Um, The school board members, for the most part, were elected, are elected officials. They um, are accountable to the parents, really are the constituency, since you are the voices for your children. Uh, So it's great to just give your school board a call to go to a school board meeting. Now, a lot of times they're virtual, so sometimes easier to attend. Um, But then also to take grassroots actions yourselves, if that's something that you are passionate about or have the time for, since I know parents are some of the most busy people out there. Um, (laughs) But there's a lot of power behind that about rallying um, your other peers and neighbors and other parents around something like this and really just drawing attention to it. Um, I know that administrators have a lot on their plates, but I think that when issues are brought to their attention that a big or significant portion of their constituency cares about, uh, it's something that, that they'll, I think, respond to. Maybe you gave this answer and I just didn't understand or, okay, when talking about having that mandate of checking water. And like when we were talking about the homes, that that's a little bit different because, you know, you have the the city has to check the water and stuff. And I, and I know you said that also for the waters that are going to the schools, but then once they get to those certain pipes, and I'm totally paraphrasing what you said, right, no, that's when you. it can get tricky. Mm-hmm. But is there, I mean, a mandatory, uh, test results that we can see for our schools? I mean, I know you kind of mentioned that, but I wasn't really sure if that meant that there was a specific place you could go and you could see how your school was doing. Right. Yeah. So that's where, again, things are a little bit um, trickier because here in Missouri, at least, there's no statewide requirement for schools to test their water. Um, Several districts have. Um, Like, for example, I know the St. Louis Public School District has tested their water, um, and some of the results are available on their website, um, but it's just not a requirement across the state, so it'll vary school to school, um, which is one of those things that makes it a little bit more complicated, because if a parent were to go onto their school's website, see that there's nothing about lead, Um, it might be easy to assume that it's just not something that 
they would ever think about. Well, I I can't believe it's not (laughs) required. I mean, uh, we're talking about our kids' health. I mean, even as adults, too. I mean, that's really shocking to me, Julia. Really shocking. Yeah, it's surprising, too, because there are no federal requirements um, or federal regulations that require testing. So the decision-making process is really up to the states. And then from there, it just hasn't really been prioritized for the most part. Um, there have been, I think it pretty much falls into the categories of a couple states have put into place policy that require all schools to test. But then from there, enforcement is somewhat lax. Um, some states have put together like voluntary participation and testing programs um, as far as grant availability goes. Um, so it's just, there's no uniform way of doing it, which like you said, is really shocking, especially when it's something that does just really impact everyone's health. Yeah. Oh, that just kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit thinking about that. Right. Um, all right. Well, as we spend our final moments together, what else would you like to address or let the listener know so that they can help make a difference? Yeah, I would say just to reiterate um, the importance of the proactive approach. Um, One thing I wanted to mention about testing as well is that it's extremely variable. Um, You could test a tap one day and get a low reading, then test it the next day and get a really high reading. has all these different scientific reasons behind it, including the way particulate leaches out of pipes, et cetera. Um, But the big idea behind that is policies that do exist that just rely on testing really aren't a guarantee of safety for uh, the water and for our kids. So um, being a big advocate for solutions that really work, like installing these filters and just prioritizing health is really important. Um, And then, yeah, I think I would just tell parents and community members not to underestimate how powerful their voices can be, that They really, again, are the voices for their children who, like your kids you mentioned, are three and five. They're not able to go and advocate for themselves. Um, So, yeah, just don't underestimate how powerful your voices can be in making a difference on these issues. And the Get the Let Out Toolkit for Parents, can you tell the listener where they can find that? Absolutely. So the Get the Let Out Toolkit is available on the environment. Missouri and the Environment America website. I'd say the easiest way you could do a Google search to Environment America and then get the let out. Um, It'll pop up there. It's called Safe Drinking Water at School. Um, And then it really goes through pretty much everything we just talked about step by step, going through the problems, the solutions, um, where the funding will come from. And then there's also some links and lists of ways that you can get involved as well. Um, There's also a lot of Uh, external resources if this is something that you're really interested in learning more about. Um, It's kind of an all-in-one sort of stop. Well, I will also have that online with the show notes at jilldevine.com. You know, Julia, I want to thank you for what you're doing to help get the word out and to help our future 
kiddos. I mean, this is such a big deal that I don't think people realize it's a big deal. And so it's nice to have people like you in our corner to help educate us and to let us know what we can do and especially what to look out for. So thank you so much for what you're doing to help out. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for providing this platform to help people learn more about it. That's amazing. All right. As we wrap up this week's episode, I am going to get to this week's Supermom shout out in just a minute. So keep listening for that. And I'll also tell you how you can nominate a Supermom. But first, Blonde in Real Estate. I want to talk about them another time, one last time this episode, because they are such a huge supporter of this podcast. They are so awesome. And I would love for you to show them some love. If you go to blondinrealestate.com, they have this form there where you can fill out and you can learn about property before it hits the market. And this is really how people are buying and selling their homes nowadays. So you just fill out your information and then you'll get a weekly email. I thoroughly enjoy when I get the email and I start to see what is available before it becomes available to everyone. And not just for myself, but for others. I have talked to so many different people that have said, oh, I have a friend that's looking. Oh, I have a relative that's looking. So I feel like if there's something that I come across that would best suit their needs, this would be perfect. Again, blondinrealestate.com to sign up for that. All right, now let's get to this week's Supermom shout out. It is going to Jane Timmy of St. Peter's, and she was nominated by her daughter, Elise. Elise said, my mom is my hero. She raised my brother and myself as a single mom struggling every month, but always made the best childhood for us. She has battled lung cancer by herself, working through her entire treatment and is now fighting lymphoma. She sold the house that she's lived in for the last 30 years and moved a block away from me. I can imagine how hard that was, but I love having her close. She is the best mom and Nana that we could ever ask for. She loves us with her whole heart and is the person I turn to on the worst days to make things better. She's taught me to be strong and independent and she is the strongest mama I know and I am so blessed to have her as a mom and best friend. Jane, you are seen and you are supported. If you have a Supermom shout-out nomination like Elise did, all you have to do is email me, hello at jilldevine.com, or if you forget to do it that way, you can go to jilldevine.com, and we have a Supermom shout-out form right there on the website. You can fill everything out, and then that mom will get a special Supermom tote designed by Addie's Way. So thank you so much, Elise, for sending in that nomination for your mom, Jane. Thank you to Addie's Way for sponsoring the Supermom Shoutout. And I would like to thank you for supporting this podcast by listening to it, sharing it, whatever it may be. Thank you for the positive reviews. I really, truly appreciate it. 